It's good to be here with you today and share God's Word once again. I'm excited to share God's Word. Larry, Jamie, when I met you almost four years ago, I was just so thankful for the opportunity to minister to you and your family. It's been so great to know you over these years and for you to be a part of our church. Thank you for ministering to us with a song this morning and Thank you for the invite to, to join you with that song as well. I'm sure that touched many hearts and lives today. I'm just so glad to see the Lord working in your lives this day. I also want to take this time to express my gratitude to the veterans as well. And I want to say thank you to all the veterans that have served our country. And just so thankful for your service our nation is greater because of your sacrifice. So, thank you, veterans. Today, I'm going to make it very clear and concise to you today. Today's sermon title is Revival. What does revival mean from a spiritual sense? A reawakening of religious fervor, especially by means of a series of evangelistic meetings. Oh, how the church needs a spiritual awakening. Amen? Amen. All right, that was a good amen. I think we got some people in agreement here today. We need a spiritual awakening. You know, it's... I think about what would be so great about revival for it to be spontaneous, to come out of nowhere where where people just don't even see it coming. I think about one of my closest friends from Bible college, Pastor Jeremy Hurd. He pastored the church in Asheville, the 3CU church, just about 40 minutes away, you know. I was in his Wedding as one of his groomsmen, you know, we were close, we were really good friends, and he asked me to, to fill his pulpit a couple of times. And I thought, well, you know, I felt some calling of evangelist at the time, I'm like, certainly, Pastor Jeremy Heard, one of my closest friends, certainly, he'll let me schedule a revival at his church. And as I talked to Pastor Jeremy, heard about it, he said to me, I don't want a scheduled revival. I want it to be spontaneous. And for myself, you say, I didn't know we were having revival today. No one told me. Well, eight days ago on a Saturday, I didn't know we were having revival either. I began in the early hours of the morning on Saturday, eight days ago, and began to seek the Lord. Lord, what would you have me say to your people? There's a lot I've said to them over the course of about six years now. What would you have me say to these people, Lord? And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I felt such a a yearning and a zeal and passion 
to bring revival to you this morning. The Lord made it very clear to me. So, you know, we didn't have the, the church board to approve a local evangelist to come in and pay him $500 and put him up in the local hotel. We didn't do that. But by all means, we have a pastor who's already prayed for it to happen today. And we continue to pray for it to happen. Lord, bring us revival. Our main text will be in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. I think about the old upper room experience. How many of you knows that the church needs that upper room experience today? Acts chapter 1, verses 13 14 will be on the projector, and I'm even going to read verse 15 as well. It reads like this, Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And when he had entered, they went up into the upper room, where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphas, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Now imagine this great upper room experience with the disciples, both Marys, many others, 120 people praying together. It says that they were praying in one accord. They were praying in unity. They were praying with supplication. There, there was just a fervency. There was an urgency that Almighty God was praying. That these people were praying to Almighty God. And I believe with all my heart that the disciples were in the upper room and they were praying like they had seen the resurrected Christ. I believe that they were praying like they had received the Great Commission. I believe that they were praying as if they had seen Christ ascended into heaven. The great upper room experience. And I know that they were praying for a great awakening to take place. And I believe it was through the upper room experience that the day of Pentecost burst forth. We see it prophesied in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. I'll just give a little summary of what the prophet Joel prophesied. 
the last days, God would pour out his spirit on all people. Sons and daughters would prophesy. Elderly men would dream dreams. Young men would see visions. The word of God would be poured out on all flesh. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon would be turned into blood. All this will take place before the second coming of Christ. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All this taking place, prophet Joel prophesying that this would, this would come to pass. And so we see then the day of Pentecost coming. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 6 reads like this. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. All of a sudden, there was a great big sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire fell upon all the believers. And each and every one of them was able to speak in a different language. As we read on, we see then some of the people thought that these men were drunk. I want to tell you, church, no matter how much alcohol you consume, you can never receive the fire of the Holy Spirit like this. Drunkenness leaves one empty, confused, and intoxicated. But being filled with the Holy Spirit brings new life, brings the fire upon the believers. And so the great apostle Simon Peter, he defends the people there and says, Oh no, these people are not drunk because it's only 9 a.m. Acts chapter 2, verses 12 through 21 reads like this. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are filled of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants 
and on my maidservants. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise the Lord. We see then the great apostle Simon Peter quoting the prophet Joel's prophecy. And so we see today that God's Spirit is being poured out upon all flesh. You say, how does, is that happening today? I know from my friend and missionary friend, Ricky Martino, a missionary working for White Cloth Bible Translators. And now we see the Word of God being translated in 2,600 different languages. Praise the Lord. God's Word is being brought forth in the midst of a pandemic and, and with things going on that are beyond our control. Still we see the Word of God being translated and being made available in parts of the world where it was not available before. And I believe full-heartedly that the Lord is bringing revival through His Word. As we look to the Lord for revival, not limited to, but I want to give you three points that we must have in order to have revival. The first one I want to give you sacrificial prayer. We must have sacrificial prayer in order to see revival. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. You know what I love about this church? I've been in contact with many of you. And many of you love to pray. I believe, I know, that revival comes through prayer. Say, I'm not willing to pray sacrificially. My time is my time. I'm only going to give God a, a small part of it. You cancel the revival right then. But if you've come here today and you say, you know what, I will pour out my heart before the Lord. I will pray to God Almighty. I will make sacrificial prayer. He'll bring forth revival. God is indeed calling us to the place of prayer. Sacrificial prayer. Fervent prayer. Earnest prayer. Praying to God Almighty. For circumstances to change. For our hearts and our lives to be revived by His Spirit. For all those who are on the prayer chain, 
You might have seen Pastor Ed's response before. And you know what I love about Pastor Ed? Whenever there's something really, really serious and really urgent on the prayer chain, he doesn't just say, okay, yeah, I'm praying. No, he says, I'm praying boldly. I love that. The Lord calls us to pray boldly. Lines up perfectly with Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the Hebrew writer writes, he says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. He didn't say, let's bring some mediocre, half-hearted prayers before the Lord. No! Let us come before the Lord boldly before His throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We need to pray boldly today. Amen? I think about some of the revivals I know. Prayer. Prayer was so key to each and every one of them. I believe they go hand in hand. The only way to have a great revival is to have some great prayer time. I think about the Asbury revival that happened in 1970. What happened? They had a student chaplain in her junior year and she was leading these prayer meetings before the service. And we know in the 70s, we know that was a dark time for our nation. But in 1970, in Wilmore, Kentucky, there brought forth a great, mighty act of God in the Asbury Revival, 1970. Why? Because the students prayed. The chaplain inspired the students to pray. They prayed. And oh, even 52 years later, the Asbury Revival is still well known to this very day. It's happened down there in the Bible Belt. It can happen again. All you fans of the Reverend Billy Graham... We know his message was basic. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He wants to save you. Very basic message. But before his crusades, people would go before they even took place and pray. And Reverend Billy Graham would stand up in the stadium and preach. And revival would break forth. Many, many people would be saved. Hearts would be changed. People's lives would be touched by God Almighty. Great prayer brings great revivals. The second point I want to bring before you in order for revival to take place. We must worship unashamed. And I'm not talking about just raising the hand in a corporate worship. No. That's one form of worship. The Scripture says, 
Psalms 134 verse 2, lift your hands in the sanctuary, praise the Lord, I'm all for it. But there's got to be so much more to that than when we're out in the streets, when we're out in the community, when we're at the grocery store, when we're at the gas pump. And the Lord prompts it upon your heart to tell someone about Jesus. When our church neighbors, we've lost two people on Monroe Avenue in the last two weeks. And the Lord gives us this opportunity. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Share the love of Jesus. Worship unashamed. I stand here today and I tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd never want to shove it down anyone's throat and annoy them and push them away, but at the same time, I stand for what I believe. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation to all those who believe, from the Jew first and then to the Greek so we see then the Apostle Paul as he writes this book in Romans. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, church, compared to other parts of the world, we've got it made. Other people are being burned at the stake, being beheaded, taking lashes upon their back for their faith. Here, someone might make fun of you. Ha ha, he he. Oh well, tell them to make fun of me. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many worshipers do we have here today? A show of hands and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. We need people in the last days to not be ashamed of their faith. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who's in heaven. And oh, how I desire for the, for the Lord to confess me. How I desire for Jesus, seated at the right hand of God the Father today, to be able to look at His heavenly Father and say, that is my child. He stands at Chillicothe First Church today. He's not ashamed of what he believes in. Not ashamed. No matter what persecutions we face, no matter how immoral our Community, our, our country becomes the Word of God stands. And I stand in support of the Word of God. Worship unashamed. I believe it's time for the Christians to get loud and proud about their faith who we're serving today. And the third point I want to bring before you We must be people who are on fire for the Lord. I loved it that Pastor Ed prayed 
that we be on fire for the Lord. I didn't tell them what my third point was. We got to be people who are on fire for the Lord. The same God who brought cloven tongues of fire upon the believers on the day of Pentecost can set us on fire for the Lord this very day. The great hymn writer Charles Wesley said, Catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come for miles to watch you burn. Catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come for miles to watch you burn. The Hebrew writer writes in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29, For our God is a consuming fire. The Lord wants to consume each and every one of us with spiritual fire this very day. So we see as the book of Acts and the day of Pentecost continues, oh, things were great. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. 3,000 people were saved, baptized, and added to the church. You read on the book of Acts, it gets even greater. Acts chapter 4 verse 4 records a number of believers who grew and gave their hearts to the Lord and the church had 5,000 people by then. The Hebrew writer writes in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave wants to bring revival to our community this day. The same God who came here in the flesh says, Oh, Chillicothe First Church, how I desire for you to seek me this very day to bring forth revival in this place. And let me talk to you then in closing about the results. The Lord brings forth revival in our hearts and lives. The lost will be found. Each and every one of us has a zeal and a passion to lead people to the Lord. Guess what? People will get saved. Hearts and lives will be touched. This place will be filled and we'll be having to have board meetings and talk about going to two services because of people getting saved and on fire for the Lord. The sick will be healed. Jesus is the Savior, the healer. How many of you are believing for God to heal someone today? How many of you are believing for God to save someone today? Psalms 103 verse 3 says, Who forgives all thy iniquities, who heals all thy diseases. Let me tell you something, church. We serve the Savior. We serve the healer. We serve the great physician. Ungodly addictions will be broken. Just about a month ago, we had 
Two ladies stand right here and testify that God had set them free as drug addicts. To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to see people with ungodly addictions. See those broken. Seeing people's lives change. And finally, Christians living in freedom and in victory. Now at this time, the praise team is going to sing a song. Congregation, if you would, please stand. And this song today talks about breakthrough. Katie Nicole sings this song. Talks about breakthrough. Today, if you need breakthrough, the altars are always open. Need to be a praying church in order to see breakthrough, to see revival. Say, where do we go from here? Don't worry about it. Seek the Lord at this very moment, at this very time. Don't let this moment pass you by. Worship unashamed today. Seek the Lord. Catch on fire for Him. Pray to Him. Worship Him as we sing this closing song.